0: Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I'm excited to bring the word, but are you hungry for it? Amen. And, you know, I want to share just a... An incident that happened over the last couple of weeks of of school break when my kids were home is that I couldn't find my AirPods. Anyone know what AirPods are, right? Parents, if you have younger kids, you'll know. Um, That's what the case looks like. It's about this big because it's hard to tell in the image. Um, And and I have a pair. I use them to work (laughs) out-ish. I use them to uh, listen to audiobooks while I'm walking and doing other things around the house, like housework uh, on the occasion that I do that. And, but what happened was I lost them, and I couldn't find them. Now, what's cool about the Apple world is there's an app on my phone, phone called Find My. And if you launch it, it kind of shows you where all your devices are. And so when I looked... It said that mine were at my home location. And so I, I, after I searched for it, and I couldn't find it, I, I moved cushions, I, I pulled everything out, I looked everywhere that I think my kids would look and go, and if they grab them, because I know Nathan likes to hold them and run around the house while I try to get them from him. But I couldn't find them, and so I told my kids, I started at $5, and I said, Josiah, Abby, Nathan, not you because I think you lost them. But I was like, if you could find this case, Daddy's AirPods, I will give you $5. And that was motivation. And they looked for a good while. And I thought for sure Josiah will will find them. Because when you add $5 to it, he'll be right on that. He couldn't find them. Abby couldn't find them. And then we said, Nathan, did you have them? And he, he, he ran back to my bedroom and pointed onto my nightstand. And I got excited for a second. I, and I was like, nope, they're not there because I already checked. And so then a couple of days passed by. I said, I'm going to up this to $10 <laughs> because I was getting frustrated after a week. And so... Uh, I was like, $10, guys, I'll give you. And they still couldn't find it. We even had my whole family over. And I told my niece and nephew who are in their teenage years, I said, I'll give you more money if you find it. And they looked for a while and they couldn't find them. And I got so frustrated and I actually gave up. And my wife actually said, hey, Uh, was there a Boxing Day deal for the AirPods? I was like, why? You won't let me buy another pair. Um, So I I don't know if she was like teasing me about it or what. But I I was actually very frustrated because my daily routine was was completely gone and it it just threw me off, off kilter. Uh, So we walked into my mother-in-law's house and they, of course, knew the whole story because I shared it at Christmas and all of that. And so when we walked in this time, my brother-in-law said, hey, I got something for you. He's like, can I have the $20? And I I couldn't even care less how much I committed to giving. I was like, thank you so much. And then my mother-in-law said, well, actually, I found them, so you should give me the money. And they actually did not take the money, so I just want to set that record straight. The important thing is, for me at least, that I got them back. And if you lost something precious to you or valuable to you that you use every day, you could relate to this story. And when you finally get it back, you're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. And the reality is scripture has a lot to say about seeking. And today, with God's help, I want to talk about the subject of seeking God. And it's important that we understand the AirPods Like, they're good for certain things, but they're not eternal in terms of their value. They're not eternal. If I lost them, I would have to just find out another system for how I do life. Um, But the reality is, when it comes to seeking God, there are roadblocks, and there are mountains, and there are obstacles, and even detours sometimes in life. But the important thing is to seek Him still. And if you have your Bible, would you open it up with me to Matthew chapter 7? And would you stand to your feet if you are able this morning? We're going to be reading just a couple of verses. As we kick off 2020, we're going to seek God first. And Matthew chapter 7, we'll begin reading at verse 7. And here's what it says. It'll be on the screen as well in the New Living Translation. Verse 7, Matthew chapter 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 9. If uh, Sorry, verse 9. You parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts? To who? To those who ask Him. So the key is we got to open up our mouth and to ask Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. For your word, I thank you for a new year. I thank you for everyone that made it a priority to be in the house of God for the first Sunday of the year. Lord, I pray a blessing upon everyone as we've opened up your word, as we've worshiped, as we've given today. Lord, I pray that in our heart of hearts, Lord, we are here today because we want to seek you first. God, I pray that if any of us, if our hearts are malaligned, that you would bring us into alignment today with your word. And Lord, with what what your spirit is speaking to us. And God, I just ask today that you would bring your anointing upon me as I speak your word. Lord, upon my mind, my lips, and my heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Because I believe scripture speaks. Scripture is the authority. And as we open the word in 2020, and I'm believing, I'm on a a personal mission. I'm not making it a corporate mission to read through the entire Bible in 40 days. And that's a big feat. And it's been difficult, I can tell you firsthand. But it's been amazing to see and the way I'm approaching it, and, and I didn't come up with this, but I heard another pastor talking about doing this, was that I'm not really looking in all the details as I'm reading, because that's my nature. Is I, I stop, I reread, and I process, and I'm very slow to do that. So it's a challenge for me to read quickly, but I'm not reading to look at all the leaves, but more so to see the tree. If you understand that, that imagery, that picture... And so I'm starting to get a picture, even through just the first four books of the Bible already, of the nature and character of God. And, you know, through Jesus, we know as well the nature and the character of God through his life, through his ministry, and through his words. And in this passage, we even touched on it, and we'll get to that at the end, on the nature and character of God As spoken through Jesus. But there are concrete promises in Scripture. And we spent a whole year talking about promise. This year on the 26th, it's going to be a new word. Trust me. You don't want to miss it. But there are concrete promises throughout Scripture. And here is one of them. Ask. And what? You'll receive. Seek. And you'll find. Knock. And the door will be open. This is a promise in Scripture. And so, as a church, as we're embarking on these seven days of fasting, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Listen, seven is not the magic number, and it's not the maximum, nor is it the minimum. All I'm saying and giving the church is an opportunity. Because some of us, we don't know how to fast. Some of us, maybe it's a foreign idea and we don't know how to fast and pray. Some of us, we don't know how to seek God. And so we're just simply creating the opportunity or the mechanism by which you can join in and do this. And and I pray if you've never done a night of prayer at the church before and you missed every encounter night in 2019, come on Wednesday night, come on Thursday night come on Friday night, we said we are making room for God. And so we're simply creating the opportunity for you to come and make room for God. We're helping you do that. We're helping you fast and pray and seek God and put him first in 2020. That's really what what we do when we hold a prayer night. It's not that I don't know how to pray or that I need more people to help. It's that we're creating opportunity for you to engage with God. And there's value in doing it together. Why? It's a guaranteed place of encounter. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. So as we come, it's a guaranteed place of encounter. But we're coming to seek him and to put him first in 2020. So the promise is this. Ask, seek, knock, you'll receive, find, and the door will be opened. So I don't know about you, but that's, that's very encouraging to me. That God is inviting me and all of us, actually, to ask. That we're also invited to seek and to knock. And here's the thing. We're going to seek him now. Now. We're going to seek him as a church and as individuals now. Not like we did 15 days ago. Not even like we did 50 days ago. What do I mean? Well, the way God moved 50 days ago, or 50 years ago if you want, allowed us to experience God 50 days or 50 years ago. Not now. What he did 10 days ago, it allowed God to move 10 days ago in my life. But if I'm to seek him now, it's because I want God to move now. What God set in motion, could it does affect my future. What he does today does affect what happens tomorrow. But what he does today is the stepping stone that launches me into my future. But I need to still seek God now. I need to seek God now. And as a church, we need to experience and to seek him today. And we're going to experience him now. The title of my message is simply this, Jesus Over Everything. Jesus Over Everything. And for a few moments, we're going to get to scripture. But I just want to talk about the value and importance of prayer and fasting because some of you, you, you understand we're meeting on these days, but you need to understand a little more, perhaps, and maybe you've never heard it explained. I'm just going to take a few seconds. So, as you know, this coming week, we're setting aside time to fast and to pray. What are we doing when we're fasting? Well, we want to deny the flesh and feed the Spirit. I don't know about you, but last night, I knew, my brain knows, That today the fast starts. And I'm not telling you what you need to give up, what kind of foods to eat and not eat. We said, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what kind of fast you should have. By the way, in the resource guide, it has different methods and different fasts outlined uh, for you to help understand a little deeper. But for the sake of this morning, last night I was having all of these cravings, all of a sudden... And I did really well all day because I said, you know what? I don't want to just eat, 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 and then just Sunday be like, all right. But I tried to like start slowing things down a little Friday and then into Saturday. But last night, King's stomach started speaking up. And I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Why do I have these cravings? And I knew we had Nutella in the cupboard and I don't really touch it all year long, but for some reason, it was very appealing to me last night. And here's the thing. The flesh is very strong. It has a voice. It speaks and it pulls. So this week, we're saying, "Uh uh-uh, you're going to take a little break. We're going to put you in the back seat. We're not going to feed you. We're going to feed the Spirit. We're going to read God's Word, and we're going to pray. And we're going to allow God to speak louder than anything else including my stomach and so we want to deny the flesh and feed the spirit and now check check this fasting is a way to conquer the physical and open the door to the supernatural in your life when you deny your body you feed your spirit and grow closer to the lord So you're growing closer to the Lord. We're having an encounter. And here's just two words for fasting. The Hebrew words for fasting are sum, it's the verb, and som, the noun. A phrase which refers to the same thing as ina napso, meaning to afflict the soul. And this is in Leviticus 16. You can find it there. But the implication is what I want you to get. You might not say the words, and you might remember I say this every year. Why? Because there are people here, you've maybe never heard this. But in anapso, to afflict the soul, hence it's implying the sacrifice of the personal will, which gives fasting its value. So it has to cost me something, in other words. So fasting is telling God, you have my attention, God, you have my attention. I'm all yours. I'm leaning in. I surrender all to you. And here's the reality. If what we're doing in the next seven days, if it doesn't mean anything to you, meaning what you're giving up, if it's not hard, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God either. And, and so that's why, for me, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing, my diet's pretty good. It's the coffee. That's my battle. And I know it because I, I love it, but I also, I know I depend on it. And I hate to admit that, but I, I love it, but I depend on it. And so tomorrow morning is going to be hard. But guess what? It's, I'm afflicting this body and I'm denying the flesh to say, God, I want everything that you have. I want everything that you have. And so church, I'm not telling you what those things are in your life. Only you know. And only the Holy Spirit can put his finger on it for you what you need to give up, and what you need to fast. But I want to reassure you that the end result is always going to be well worth it. Okay? But here's the thing. It's called fasting and prayer for a reason. And I'll tell you why. If all you are doing is fasting and you you follow it to the T, but there's no additional praying involved in it, it's literally just a diet. It's just a glorified diet that we're calling biblical. But the reality is that you have to include time of prayer. You have to build it into the schedule for the next seven days. You have to build prayer into your calendar, listen to me, for the next seven days. I mean, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we've kind of helped you already. But tomorrow, you have to plan time where you're not just going to do the right thing food-wise, but where you're going to pray. Because that's where the true value comes. Fasting is powerful, it's effective, but your prayers matter as well. That's how we ask and seek and knock. It's through our prayers. And so we can't just do one and negate the other. It's fasting and prayer. It's, it's a perfect marriage, and we have to include both in these next seven days. Fasting is telling God, again, you have my attention. And if it doesn't mean anything to you, chances are it doesn't mean anything to God. Listen to what Isaiah 55 and verse 6 says. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. I want you to know, church, As we draw near to God this week, we said it before, he's drawing near to us. And it's not that God doesn't hear our prayers otherwise. The Bible says his ear is not deaf, his arm is not short. But let me tell you what, we're going to gain the attention of heaven and everything else is going to fade away. Seek him while he can be found. This is God inviting us. Just like he was inviting the people in Isaiah. Seek him now while he can be found. Call on him while he is near. Matthew 6, verse 30 to 33. This is not just the word for our week of prayer and fasting. I think it's a word for life that we need to always hold dear to us. That It says in verse 30, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry. Everyone say, don't worry. Turn to your neighbor on the left and say, don't worry. Turn to your neighbor on the right and say, keep your promise. Don't worry. Remember, don't worry. Be happy. Right? I'm not going to sing it. I don't want to try. I don't even know if it's a real song or not. But I just remember that and a big smile emoji or something. That's what comes to mind. But don't worry about these things. We're going to get to these things in a second. Saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So what are we going to do instead? Is The answer is verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above That was an uncertain answer. I mean, I think we're all reading off the same screen. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Not want, but you need. Everything you need. So that tells me a few things. God is aware of what you need. Be be comforted today. Be encouraged God knows already what you need. He knows it. But maybe we get the priority flipped. And I I just want to break this down. Could we go to the next slide for a second? So our worry is everything, right? And and we read it. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Am I going to have enough money for this and to buy that? The things that I maybe need but also want, they're all included in that. That's everything. So our worry tends to be everything, right? Or is it just me? Amen? It's it's everything. I think about all of these things, my wife, to the next degree even. That there are a lot of things to not... Not that there's a spirit of worry in my house. Uh, but just our thoughts, you know, we want to make sure everything's in order. Everything is looked after. And so when our worry is everything, our priority is everything. Because our, our brain is is trying to wrap itself around everything. And it doesn't stop. And it just continues. And guess what? Uh, 2020 comes, it's a new year, but it's the same order That we worry about, everything, and the same priority, everything, because nothing changed. But Jesus is giving us a big clue and a big hint to a better life. And this is what he says. Go to the next slide. Our priority should be Jesus. And when we get the priority first and right, look what happens. Our worry... It's like a meme on Instagram. If you see it, it's like, you know, the colon and there's nothing. Put Jesus first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything, shall be added unto you. So priority, Jesus first. Jesus over everything. You put Jesus first over everything and then our worry is gone. Because Jesus said, hey, you get this right. I'm going to take care of everything else in life. Think of it. If the birds of the field never go hungry, they always have enough food to eat. What do you have to worry about? (laughs) And you work. Most of us work. We have a source and we have a supply. You know, God is not a resource in our lives. He is a source. A resource is something I go to. But a source is the, the root of where everything else springs from. You know, I can go to a store that offers me something, right? It's just a one, one-stop one shop for something I need. It doesn't, it doesn't create everything. It doesn't flow from that. It just gives me whatever it came in, it goes out. That's how a store works, right? I get the shipment. The customer comes in, buys it, and it goes out. That's just being a resource to people in the community or whatnot. But... Jesus isn't just a resource in your life. He has to be the source of your life. And so, why why wouldn't we want to seek Him first? Why wouldn't we want to put Him first? Because He's telling us a concrete promise in Scripture. When you do this right, and you have it in the right order, everything else is going to be looked after in your life. So, this year, it's not just for prayer and fasting, church, but this year... And every year thereafter, every day, you can quote Matthew 6.33. Let me share with you, when I was graduating Bible school, Nathan Pimentel, we've had him preach here several times. He's coming back at the end of May, by the way. But I'll never forget, we're at a church, and I think I was helping with worship for that night. I was in my last couple of weeks of Bible school. And I was uh, though I was in the worship team, somehow I ended up at the altar call, and I was kneeling. And uh, I remember he came around behind me. He was the guest speaker for that youth event. And he just quoted Matthew 6, And he's like, and Jonathan, if you would seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. And it was like a huge reminder in my life. Even though I was in Bible school, you could get the priority mixed up. You could get the order wrong. And it was a great reminder to me. And I just began to weep because I needed that reminder from the Holy Spirit. But he used someone to do it. And and I was so grateful. And I said, thank you, God. Yeah, I didn't come to Bible school to find a wife. It's not bridal school. It's Bible school. But I came to, to get to know your ways, to hear your voice, and to just discover my purpose in life. And to give it all back to you. And the beauty in all of that is God made sure I stayed on track. And, and seek first the kingdom of God. That's our priority. But our worry then is nothing. And guess what? When I got it right, I didn't have to worry. I graduated. I had a, a, a job opening, uh, call it a job, sorry, ministry position that became available in my hometown and, and all of that. And God was so good. And God is so good, church. But Jesus has to be over everything. Did you know scripture? It's no secret, but it's, it's in scripture. It says that Jesus is the name above all names. That at the mention of his name, everything has to bow. Now, I want to just break this quickly down for you in three realms. Heaven, earth, and under the earth. So there are three realms. The heavenlies, earth, and then under the earth. So even demons... Fear and tremble. Demons fear and tremble. They understand the power and the authority in the name of Jesus. Now, God has given us authority and power. If you feel like you're lacking that in your life, put him first. Seek him first. And allow God to rearrange those things in your life. But as you seek God, guess what? Whatever is in his hand flows to you. What do I mean by that? It's not? I'm not talking about money. I'm, I'm just saying access-wise. What is his is yours. But if you feel like that's not the case, check, check your relationship with him. How is this going? Because if this is good, then it should flow out of your life as well. So we, we talked about that at New Year's Eve, that if you're not happy with what you've been harvesting, check your seed. Check your seed. So if you feel like you're lacking power in this Christian walk, uh, don't question God and say, where are you? Ask yourself, where have you positioned yourself with God? And allow him to realign the priority. Because if you seek him first, everything is going to be given to you. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And when, you receive, when he comes, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is a gift that God already gave to us. But maybe some of us feel like I have no power, I'm defeated. Guess what? That's not the Christian walk. That's not the Christian walk. Because we're not defeated, we are overcomers. We're not victims, we're victors in Jesus' name. I'm not the tail, I'm the head. I'm not the last, I'm the first. That's what scripture tells me. And so I have a God confidence when I have my priorities right. But it also roots itself in this, my understanding that I am a son of God. And you are and we are children of God. And when I get that right and I understand that, I walk differently. I walk differently. I think differently differently. I talk differently because he's my father, and if I'm his son, that means I have access, but it also means I don't walk alone. It also means that he's giving me everything that he has. All of heaven's resource is mine as well. And so Jesus being over everything is also true in my life, that he's put me above these things. And so, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 14, I want us to, to really understand today that the emphasis is on seeking him, and there is an opportune time in scripture. Hear what, hear what it says, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And check this though, in those days, verse 12, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So the question really is not how much of God do you have, but how much of you does God have? That's the real question today. The real question is how much of you does God have? have and when we search for him and seek him, are you doing it wholeheartedly because that's the condition we find in Jeremiah 29. He says verse 13, if you look for me, how? not half-heartedly but wholeheartedly you will what find me. you will find me. Some of us maybe we've been looking for, for the illustration point with one eye, right? I only see one perspective with one eye. I only see this side. But with two eyes, I almost see the full scope. I can see God in everything. And I could see God. But when I seek him, I seek him wholeheartedly. Not with just a part of my heart. The part that wants God here, but not this part. But I have to say, Lord, with my whole heart. Even the ashamed part of my heart. Even the hurting part in my heart, God. I seek you wholeheartedly wholeheartedly, we're going to chase after God. We're going to seek Him, church. His promise to us in Jeremiah 29, you pray, I listen. You look for me wholeheartedly, guess what, I'm found by you. And the only thing that can't be multiplied is zero. Check this out. As you fast and pray, you're doing something. Some of you are going to fast seven days. Some of you are going to fast 21 days maybe. But some of you might say, you know what, I can only do one meal a day. But listen, if you do one meal, you can still multiply something by one and it will be greater. But if it's zero, you, the only thing that cannot be multiplied is zero. Just let me take you to the story of the loaves and fish, that little boy, Right? We might say, well, he sacrificed his meal, right? For for the sake of everyone else, he sacrificed his lunch. Did he really? He gave it up, but the result was there were how many baskets full? Twelve. There are a couple of instances in Scripture, but there were twelve baskets full left over. Was it a sacrifice or was it seed sown? And then there was an investment, and they reaped a harvest at the end of that. Think about it. The only thing you can't multiply is zero. So when the boy gave what little he had, look what God did. Everyone got their fill, and then 12 baskets full were left over. So does it take sacrificing to fast and pray? Yes, time and food from the things you really enjoy, perhaps. But let's... Let's go beyond the sacrificial part of it and let's look at the investment that we're making. That there's going to be a return because there are rewards attached to fasting and praying. That if you've been a part of our church now for a number of years, God has answered prayer. If you were here at New Year's Eve, you heard testimonies of how God moved. You heard testimonies of what God has been doing in the lives of people. You know what? There were even people I'd never seen in my life that showed up on New Year's Eve. And some that even testified. And and, and I was just like, wow. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. And thank you, Lord, that we, as we wholeheartedly pursue you, Lord, you are already wholeheartedly ready to pour out upon your people. But he said, when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. And so, church, we got to do this. If if we're going to do this, let's do it wholeheartedly. Or else maybe let's not do it at all. If we're going to fast and pray then let's make sure that we also pray, not just fast, or else it's just a diet. The only thing, again, that can't be multiplied to more is zero. So listen, if it's a big thing and maybe you've never done it, just start small and give God something at least that he could multiply. It's better than your zero. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and get this, and that he rewards those who sincerely, what, seek him. This is what we're doing the next seven days. We're setting the precedence for the rest of the year that we're going to seek him wholeheartedly. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently do that. Psalm 27 verse 8 says this, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. There's a response that has to come from the church over the next seven days. When he's saying, hey, seek me while you can find me, our response as a church may echo the psalmist in this passage where he said, Lord, my face, your face, I will seek. And whenever the Lord stirs your heart to seek him, it's because he intends to be found by you. Why? Because he's a father. Because he's a father. And I just want to end what little time we have left today on this concept of God as our father. Because Jesus introduced the concept of God as a father. Did you understand? Did you hear that? Did you know that? You know what he said? Let's look at Matthew 7 verse 9. Because Jesus makes this reference. He says, ask, seek, knock. But now look at this in verse 9. You parents. See, he's making it a comparison, or he's drawing a parallel now. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. But listen to this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, and here's the phrase, will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? The heart of God is that of a father. The heart of God. And I'm not talking about an earthly father. And neither was Jesus. Because he said, you earthly fathers, you you know how to give your children what they ask for. And if that's true, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask? God is ready to give. Why? Because he's a good father. But are you ready to ask? Are you ready to seek? Are you ready to knock, church? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we ready for what God wants to do in our lives? Are we making room for what God wants to do in our lives? This was a word that we got in October of 2019 over our church, over the people of our church. Not leadership, over our church, which means all of us as people, to make room, to make more room for God, and that we'll find him in these spaces as he shows up like only he can do. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. As we launch into a new year, we're going to ready our hearts. I'm going to ask if the worship team would come, and I want us to just sing, Promises Never Fail, as we close out this service. And it's going to be for us a reminder that when he says ask, seek, and knock, this is a concrete promise in his word. And he will never fail. Can you say amen? He will never fail. I don't know about you, but I would rather put my confidence in a God who never fails than, than in my own ability, because I know I get tired. I know I get weary. I know I make mistakes. And I definitely know I'm not perfect. But church, we have the choice. All we're simply doing is preparing the opportunity. But it's our choice today to say, Lord, your face I'm going to seek. Lord, it's your face I'm going to seek. Even when it's hard on Monday morning. Even when I'm back at work and I'm fasting and I'm trying to pray, Lord, it's you I'm going to seek. Lord, it's you that I'm putting first. Lord, it's your promise that I'm standing on, that when I ask, I shall receive. That when I seek, Lord, I am going to find. And when I am knocking, Lord, that door will open. And I'm believing, church here, I'm just going to declare that I'm believing that doors that have been closed for so long are going to be opened in Jesus' name. And there are some doors in life that will not open, and, and man cannot open, but only Jesus can open. And maybe they're doors of forgiveness, maybe they're doors of opportunity, they're doors to your future, maybe they're doors to your dream. And maybe they've been closed for a season or a reason. But I'm believing that there are doors that only God can open. And He knows when they need to be open. What you need to do is be faithful to seek Him. Not seek the, the gift or what's waiting behind the door. Him. Seek Him. As we seek the Father, notice I never said seek His hand. But it flows. When you seek Him, whatever's in His hand will flow. You don't need to worry. Jesus said, put me first and everything else will flow. Everything else is going to be taken care of. So church, his promises never fail. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroguechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.